Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Well, can we just keep it about Jesus? You know, I mean, sometimes we just make it too complicated. I think we get over-churched, and churches fall into a trap because the same people come week after week, and you look at people, and you, and you kind of want to give them something new. You want to give them something fresh. You want to give them something, right? And then we come in as church folk, and we're like, oh, I heard that before. I want something new. I want something to give me a goosebump. I want something to make me feel warm and fuzzy. And it's like, I, I understand that. But it's like, you know what? Can't we just experience God and that be enough? Right? Can't we just connect with him deep within our hearts? I mean, you guys know me. I love to teach. This is not an excuse for me to just check out and, you know, be lazy. I, I love to teach. I love to come in here prepared. But it's like, man, if we aren't living a lifestyle of connecting with the Lord in our hearts so that it's, that is the motivation for our Christianity, that's the motivation for our lives, for our love toward one another, man, then church is just, it gets boring, doesn't it? You ever get bored in church? That's your fault. <laughs> I set her up, sorry. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? You know what I'm saying. It's like sometimes it just gets stale. And, and that's not what he wants for us. I mean, we do that in marriage. We do that in our jobs. We do it in so many areas. Let's not do it in our relationship with the Lord. Amen? Amen. You know, and that's what, this, that's what we're here for, is to just help people connect with God to experience transformation through his love so you will carry the gospel to the world. You know, preaching his goodness. We, just, we want to change the way people see God because he's good and only good. Some of you guys are visitors. You happen to make your way in on our eight-year anniversary. Wow. My wife, Sarah, here, we started this church in our living room um, eight years ago. We don't know the exact date. I think it was October 2nd. October 2nd. Either the 2nd or the 10th. Yeah. We, we've kind of just claimed the first weekend in October as our anniversary. So... She was raised kind of Catholic. It, she, she doesn't have the, I always have to be, choose my words, any, any former Catholics? Yeah. She went to a, church, a Catholic church where Jesus wasn't actually on the cross up front, which is a little different. And, and anyway, I'm not going to go too far into that. But I was raised heathen, so I came to know the Lord. My mom's not in here. I can say that. When, she'll be here second service. Y'all don't tell her I said that. <laughs> huh? Yeah, C and E church, uh, Christmas and Easter. Yeah, didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't know any Christians growing up. In fact, I ran into a friend of mine that I was I played football with in in school, and I saw him at a Christian concert, and I said, "Man, when did you get saved?" He's like, "Ah, oh, we kind of always were." I'm like, "Well, why didn't you tell me?" <laughs> and uh, he said, "Well, we just kind of kept it to ourselves." And you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want that you know, for us. We have spent the first several years just laying the foundation, really, of, uh, of just presenting the gospel. 
Because, I mean, that's what it should be about, the gospel. A lot of people out there have not heard the gospel. A lot of Christians haven't heard the gospel. And a lot of the church world is not just focusing on the gospel. It, we fall into that church trap of trying to keep it fresh and trying to give people programs and trying to keep people happy and all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, Jesus is enough. Jesus plus nothing is what we want. Amen? Like Paul said, all I want to know is Christ and him crucified. You know, that we, we are growing, obviously. You know, we started with, I don't know, about six people in our living room. And I guess on the roster, we don't have a formal membership, but we're working on something so people know a little bit more. Can, you can come in here and figure out a little more quickly what we're about instead of having to take six months. You know, we're working on those details. We don't, we're not too churchy. We, we should be more churchy in some areas, I guess, right? Should we? No? no? Okay. I just mean we're going to put something out there where you can come in and say, okay, what's this church about? And we have some videos for you. I keep pulling paper out of my pocket. <laughs> 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 no. Green? Huh? Is it green? No, it's the other kind. It, it's, 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 lack, it's the lack of green because it's all receipts anyway. <laughs> but the, the world is waiting for a true encounter with God, and it might as well be you, right? So I just kind of wanted to speak from my heart a little bit. I just finished this whole series on the sovereignty of God, you know, just a little light topic on sovereignty. And if, you, if you're visitors, we've got a, a website, forwardchurch.net. You can go back and listen to that whole series. I do have one more message, and I know some of y'all were actually asking questions about, like, Romans 9 through 13 and some of the other places where it looks like God, you know, specifically made Pharaoh to be evil, like he predestined before he ever even created the world that he decided Pharaoh would be evil. He will, uh, you know, oppress the Israelites, and I made him for that purpose. But there's really, I really only have one question in that scenario because, you know, the Calvinistic perspective would say that he already decided everything ahead of time and everything that's happening is just kind of playing out and he's in control. And the question is, do you think that Pharaoh had a choice to repent and listen to Moses or did he not? Yeah. And all the Calvinists said... You know, that's what, that's what makes that make sense. I know, I know it's, this is kind of obscure without going through the whole series again, but that part, you guys know what it says. It says the potter, you know, how can the clay say to the potter and all that right there in Romans 9. But really the truth is Pharaoh could have repented. When Moses went in and gave him all those declarations and before he gave all those curses and, and released all that judgment, Pharaoh could have said, oh, okay, I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to take the deliverance way out. Because you'd seen it, right, with, with um, Jonah and Nineveh. In fact, Jonah was like, God, I know that you're good. You're going to forgive them, and I want them to pay. I want them to experience punishment. I'm not going down there and giving them that word. You're too good. You're going to deliver them. That could have been Moses and Pharaoh as well, but it wasn't. So that's the one question. Could, could Pharaoh have chosen to repent and walk out of all that and set them free? Or was he just locked into some predetermined system? 
So that wraps up that series. I, I actually am going to go back and do a full teaching on that just to round out that series, so we'll post it on the website so you'll know, or, or so you can go listen to it. But where we have kind of settled into as a church is really a, a transformation center, you know, a place where you can come in and engage the gospel in your heart for the purpose of allowing yourself to be empowered by grace, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, all wrapped in love. You know, Ephesians 3 basically says, God won't, let him strengthen you in your inner man, which is what grace is, strengthen your inner man, so that you would know the breadth, the width, the depth, the height, the length, all that of God's love. And knowing that brings you to a place of wholeness where you're filled to the measure of him. That's what we do. That is my agenda for you, is to get you in here and to get you changing your mind about who God is and the character of who God is. So, you know, by constantly hammering you on your identity in what Jesus has done for you, so that you will open your heart to him, let him strengthen you. You will change the way that you think and act and behave and make choices and then walk in love toward people. Because that's it. That's really it. There's not some complicated systematic theology that you need to learn to get it all worked out that puts you in the proper perspective of the certain camp. I don't even know. I just made all that up. But <laughs> You know what I mean? We make it hard. We make it complicated. And the reason we make it complicated is because we don't understand the love of God for us. The, the way we make it complicated is we look at the world and we say, I don't understand why this is happening but somehow I think God's in control or allowing it or causing it. Therefore, I'm confused about God. Therefore, I'm going to put walls up, and I'm not really going to walk with him through this process. God is not the source of your pain. That's what we just went through this whole last month dealing with, putting trials in the proper perspective and persecution and tribulation and all of that. James, basically, all that series boils down to this. Don't say it's from God. You might find yourself in a place of suffering on this planet as you are walking out your call, as you are following the Spirit of God, you might experience some suffering and some tribulation because you stand up for your faith. But all these difficulties that are happening, that's the product of a broken, sinful world. And honestly, you know, I could, I could take or leave church. I mean, I, I, I'd, Sarah and I would be just as happy sitting around in our living room, having conversations, hanging out, talking about the Lord. But I feel like that God wants this voice in place in this community to be a reminder of the gospel that God is good and only good. Yes, bad things happen. It, he gave us free will, but he's good. He puts himself in the context of a father. He puts himself in the context of a husband that loves us. And, and what we want the, our community you know, I feel like God just kind of birthed something in me that we reach every person in this city, regardless of what church they go to. Somehow, in some way, and that's through us, we get into a situation where we get to give people the gospel, whether they're already a believer or not. That's something that I feel like, you know, at this eight-year transition that is kind of what God is going to be turning us toward. I mean, we've got an incredible group of people in this place. You guys... Are, are saturated in the love of God. And I feel like that it's, it's like, you know, God wants to turn that gospel just toward the community. 
not, it's not that this church is going to be the church that brings in the revival or this church. See that uneven floor right there? You know what I mean? It's like in, in kind of in revival mentality. And y'all got to forgive me. I'm just kind of, I'm just shooting from the hip, speaking from, I do have a couple of scriptures I want to get to, but I just, I just wanted to go through and reaffirm why we're here. But I'm cool with revival mentality, but it's a bit self-important to think that you're the specific group that's going to take the nation or take the city. It's like, no, it's the body of Christ connected in a tight woven fabric. The only place you might ever take is your household. You know what I mean? And that's okay. It's okay. The only place you might ever take is your own mind. And that would be a big victory. Amen. Amen. And that's okay. So we're heavy on this grace thing, this idea that, okay, God loves me. If I really fully understand what Jesus did and who Jesus is and the, and the, the, the sacrificial nature of our relationship with him, that is he gave everything, died for us, took upon all of our shame and guilt, all of our punishment that we deserved was put on him. He died, passed through that grave, conquered the enemy, conquered death, conquered Hades, conquered hell, and rose again with his own blood and offered it before the Father as a sin offering for the entire world and then turns to the world and says, do you want to spend eternity with God? Then come through my blood. And that's it. That's it. Say, that's it. That's it. it really is. Well, there is one more step. <laughs> that's just living in that, right? That's just living in that communion, living in that place of the power of that sacrifice, the power of that resurrection, working within you to transform you. You know, we give up at a certain point. We give up on ever changing. And we settle for our sin. We settle for our level of success. We settle for whatever. We settle for all kinds of things because we aren't continually engaged in this process of transformation. That's what I want this place to be for you so that you are experiencing these, these little tweaks from God, right? As you give your heart and your mind to Him and you say, I don't know how to do this, but I know that you in me is stronger than this. And not just so that I can walk through this with peace, but so that I can be a reflection of your glory on this earth of what you can do through somebody on this planet. If you can use me, there's hope for them. And, and you just submit to that process of transformation and yielded. But he does it with love. His hands that are shaping you are loving hands, not guilt. And he's not mad at you. So he is not going to take his hand off of you. Have you heard that? Well, God will lift his hand. And the further he lifts his hand, then the more the devil can get in there. <laughs> please, please don't believe that. That is so not true. He is one with you. He can't lift his hand off of you. You are hidden in him with Christ. He will never leave you or forsake you. Amen? Amen. So out of that, I just feel like he's going to you know, kind of give us all vision and perspective of how as a body to turn that gospel attention toward this community and whatever that looks like in your families and your jobs, you know, 
with Sally and Dave are very passionate about evangelism, and, I, and I've, I've loved watching them on their journey, and there's probably other evangelists in this community, in this body, that we want to maybe do some more organized uh, outreaches, and outreaches are good, but we want to develop lifestyle evangelism, right? And I don't mean where you're in the mall and you the at Kroger or whatever, and you're thinking, oh, I'm supposed to witness to somebody today. <laughs> don't, just don't do it. Yeah. Just don't do it if that's the attitude. But if you go in there and before you went in there, you have overwhelmed your heart with responding to his love for you, and you walk in there and you just look. At, you ever, have you ever done that? You just walk in a place and you're just like, man, I just really like people today. <laughs> Or laughing because you don't know. What <laughs> it's possible. It is possible. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's true. But it's not complicated. It's not. It's not this thing where you got to figure out the mystery of how to be spiritual and go in and give. You know, it's like no. If I am consumed with God's love for me, it is going to spill out. That's the secret of reaching the world, is responding to God's love for you. And that's what this place is, is a place that's going to crack your heart open so that you will let God love you. And what I know is that will transform you, won't it? It will. There is no secret to Christianity, except Christ in you, the hope of glory, and letting his love for you strengthen you and make you whole. But this is what that love should do, and this is, these are the passages that I had for today, and, and you know, I just kind of feel like it's, and you guys have heard me preach this before, but I feel like this is just kind of the direction, the general direction of what I think God wants to do through this body and really the body of Christ at large. You know, we're continually going to be engaged in this process of loving on people, hammering you with your identity in Christ so that you will trust God and give your heart to Him. And as you give your heart to Him, you will let Him love you. And as you let Him love you, He will make you whole. You know, some of you that are just struggling with behaviors and just different kinds of things, even attitudes and repetitive emotions just like Sally did today you know that's a prophetic I appreciate you doing that I mean that's like she said it it can be a prophetic act of looking I saw something in my hand and I gave it to him and I felt better did you guys connect with that were you able to release something you know and whether that's I mean is that real did that happen is that you know we, we question all that stuff it's like no what does it take for you to connect in your heart and what can you do to connect with him I don't mean perform your way into it, but how are you stewarding and managing your mind and your heart to let him love you and shape you and transform you? That's your responsibility. Make yourself pliable to the Lord. And see, religion gets it wrong because religion wants you to carry around the guilt and the shame of your failures. I'm telling you, when you are carrying guilt and the shame, you will not let God love you. Does that mean it's okay to sin? No. Sin still kills. It does. It will 
harden your heart where you won't let God in. This is not a permissiveness message. This is not we're just kind of sweeping sin under the rug. But your only hope out of sin is the love of God in your heart strengthening you. Amen? Amen. And this is, what, this is what it's all based on. This is Jesus. And, and in John 13, 34, he gives his commandments. Just so you know, you're not under the law anymore. So the word commandment takes on a different context. If you look at New Testament commandments, there are no curses associated with them. There's only blessing associated with New Testament commandments. But not in the context of you fulfill the commandment and then God blesses you. In fact, you can't really fully walk out these commandments unless you know that you're already blessed or approved of God. You know what I mean? So, real simply, Jesus just says, John 13, 34, A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By the, Verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, just think about that for a minute, right? Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What's the body of Christ known for right now on this planet? Mostly. And y'all are church people that know that God loves you, you know. Not that you're calling the church that, but unfortunately. People should know that we're his disciples, not because we're calling them out on their lifestyles and telling them they're voting for the wrong person, but by our love for one another. People should look at us and say, oh, those are Christians, because look how they love one another. It's really that simple. It really is that simple. But what's the church? No, there's a video that goes, I've, I've seen this video before. It's like they go out on the streets. Describe Christians. And it's the words you guys said, judgment, mean. What would you say? Critical. Yeah. The guy who said megaphones by Walmart? The, the megaphone man, bullhorn man, bullhorn guy. Rob Bell, before he slipped into universalism, had a video called Bullhorn Guy. It was clever. <coughs> bullhorn guy might be spreading the love of God. I don't know. Well, I've heard some of them, they're not. <laughs> you know, there, there's certainly there's truth, right? And those guys are standing there, and you would, if you talk to the bullhorn man, what he would probably say to you is, well, I'm just telling people the truth. It's like, yeah, okay. That's what Moses did. Jesus says give them truth and love. And that's what we're to do. It's really this simple. Keep that verse back up there, 35 that the world will know that we are his disciples if we have love for one another. Now, keep in mind, I'm talking about the influence, your influence in your mirror, your influence in your family, your influence in your job, because we as believers all have the same ultimate call and commission, and that is preach the gospel. Go into the world making disciples, Preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick. You know, all that stuff is included, certainly. But the gospel is the power unto salvation. Don't let yourself get embarrassed by talking about the Lord. All you, it's like, I mean, you don't, you, don't have a hard, you don't have a hard time explaining your favorite meal at your favorite restaurant. You know what I mean? 
It's like, man, I'm telling you what, Longhorn's got this Parmesan mushroom steak thing. Wait a minute, maybe we should talk about fried chicken. Y'all are going to skip the... You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, my mouth's watering now. That's what evangelism should be, right? It's that you are so touched and moved by who God is in your life, all you're doing is describing him. It's like, let me, let me just tell you about this God. Let me tell you about this kind of love that you don't know. But we make it about us. We think it's about our intellect or we think it's about something that we have to explain to them. It's like, no, I'm just going to get myself out of the way. Let me tell you about this Jesus guy. It's, it's, it's pretty easy once you do that. And wrapping that in our love for one another, that's what I want you to experience as part of your Christianity, that people know that you follow Jesus because of the way that you love people. Love is not a doormat. Love is not codependent. Love has healthy boundaries. Love knows how to say no. And it be a complete sentence, no. <laughs> Love is not unwise, but it is incredibly compassionate. And we know the list, patient. I love what uh, the transparency that Sa Sally shared this morning. She was holding records of wrongs. We don't want to do that. That's not love. When you recognize those things, you just convince yourself and remind yourself of who God is for you and let him work on you. Let him start to shape you. And as you do that, that spills out love towards your family, towards your work, your co-workers, and then onto the community. And the next thing you know, you end up starting some big massive thing, maybe, and all you did was just daily try to express that compassion. So... I want that to be said of you, of me, and of us collectively in this community. They're kind of weird over there. They're so loving. I don't know. You walk in the door, something's not right over there. Just, they're just, you just walk in and feel loved over there. That's what I want to be said. Not the not right part, but you know. So then we go over to John 17. You can flip with me. Don't, don't put it up on the wall just yet, but John 17, 20. This is incredible what Jesus is doing here. And, and the fact that we get to see this, this probably one of the most intimate moments between the Father and the Son, we have a glimpse into, it's, it's incredible. I haven't given you a homework assignment in a little while, but if you want to be thorough with the homework assignment, read John 14 through 17. But if you only have a little bit of time, read John 17. And read it in context of this, this is Jesus' prayer right before he's going to allow himself to be arrested. Jesus knew what was about to happen. He was fully aware of what he was going to experience. You know, in the garden it says that he, he sweat blood because he was resisting sin. And the sin that he was resisting was to not be obedient to the death of the cross to pay for the salvation of all who would believe. I mean, he was resisting the sin, the, the, the temptation to say, oh, I'm not doing it. I'm going back to heaven. And he could have done that. Three times he asked the Father, not, you know, can we do this a different way? Please let this cup pass from me. 
And it wasn't that Jesus was afraid of a nail going through his hand, as painful as that was. It wasn't that he was thinking about the blood that was going to fill up his lungs and cause him to not even hardly be able to breathe. It wasn't that he was about to have his flesh completely ripped off his back from the whips that they were going to beat him with, as bad as that could have been. What Jesus was fretting over and resisting and, and, and moved by, and I don't want to say afraid of, but just the pressure that he must have been feeling was because he knew what sacrifice was about. And he knew, the lo- he knew what an eternal sacrifice needed to experience. The thing that Jesus was not looking forward to and dreading the most was being cut off from the Father and dying the death of a cursed individual and passing into that grave separated from his Father. That is what tore him up. That is what he wanted to avoid. But he did it. And it could have been forever. He could have failed. He could still be in that place. He could still be in the grave right now. But his faith held on to the promises that God made to him. See, it wasn't like God was sitting there saying, all right, time's up, let's go get Jesus. Jesus' faith had to come to complete fruition and defeat the strength of death. It was the faith of Jesus staying faithful to the promise of the Father that broke the power of death, that caused victory completely over the enemy. And then when that faith was, when it was completely, to complete fruition, the grave couldn't hold him any longer. God didn't bail him out. Jesus conquered death. That's a big deal. And then he rose. It gets me. He knew what was coming. And this is a glimpse of what he's praying in John 17, knowing that that's coming. And the last thoughts that he has as a free person in his own private devotion to the Lord, he's praying for you. Now, remember, we talked about our love for one another should be a sign to the world that we follow Jesus. And watch what he talks about here. We're we're looking at the unity that he describes that should be among the body of Christ, ultimately. Because we're talking about where we're going as individuals and where we're going as a church, and that is to be known by our love, our love for one another, and our love within the community so that they will choose God, so that they will know that we follow God, and they will desire Him because we are one. And maybe even along the way inspire some some of the rest of the body of Christ to walk in love, greater degrees of love. Amen? Watch this. So this is John 17, 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Say, that's me. Verse 21. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, 
may they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. The fruit of you experiencing unity with the Father does something within you that causes the world to desire God. That's your personal expression that you get to walk out with the Lord. It's like art, right? Whatever your unity with the Lord expressed looks like, the body of Christ needs that. We need that. There are things that this body should be doing that those of us that have healthy boundaries and know how to say no aren't going to (laughs) do. But as we all rise up collectively, we will fulfill whatever the call is on this body. Amen? Verse 22. Now, again, this is your homework, John 17. On phrases like what we're about to read, please take, don't just read it. Read every word. You know, I saw somebody, they said, when they meditate, this is, so let me just read verse 22. I'll give you an example. Then I'll get back on point. I've given them the glory that you gave me. So just take that phrase. And it's like, go through and express every word separately. Put emphasis on each word. So I, remembering, I have given them the glory that you gave me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. I have given them the glory. And then you stop and you let that word resonate. And then you think about that. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I pray the Holy Spirit brings revelation to that and teaches you what it means to be one with God. You're not God. You're not going to become a God, but you are one with God. You are betrothed to God. This is serious stuff, but it's the power of transformation. It's the power of peace, knowing your connection with him. It's the desire of Jesus in his last free moments that you know your unity with the Father. Verse 23, and he keeps going. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you've sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. That's Jesus' desire, that we are so united in the Father that the world knows that God loves them as much as he loves Jesus. Verse 25, righteous father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you've sent me. Verse 26, I have made you known to them. And see, this is a promise for us now. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known. God, the, Jesus, the spirit of Christ within you will continue to make the father known to you. 
and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus, having emptied himself of divinity, become a human in the likeness of sinful flesh and always tempted as we are, yet without sin, lived a perfect spotless life to be that perfect sin offering for you, hung on that cross, went through that grave, conquered death for you. Says, I want to live through them. I want to live in them. I mean, ultimately, that's the secret of Christianity is being so connected to the Father that Christ is living his life through you. He's not just sitting up there looking at the watch wondering when the Father's going to say, go get them, and what a glorious day that'll be. But because His Spirit is alive, His Spirit is seeking to live, and it wants to live through you. And the way that it lives through you is shapes you into love. It shapes you into someone that looks at somebody with compassion and says, I, I have to help them. Again, with healthy boundaries, not codependent, not as a doormat, but love. This, I mean, you know, I know it feels profound, but it's really the simplest thing that we could talk about because this is what the body, this is what the planet needs. The planet, the world is waiting, not for us to, to declare who we're voting for, not for us to give our insight of why this system should function this way, but love. You know, you ever been in those moments where you're just, you're just confused and stuff's happening and you're, you're angry or you're depressed or you're worried or whatever, and you get around somebody that you connect with them on a level where you don't have to talk about all that stuff, and it's just kind of like, okay, you're here. That is how God wants us to influence the world. That we just show up and they're like, okay, I don't know if I believe everything he believes. I don't know if, I don't, I don't really know about that. But there's something about this connection that I have with this person. And it will. I mean, if you do a th thorough study of evangelism and you look at conceptually when Jesus talks about reaching the world and all the commission and everything that's supposed to happen and all the tools and the gifts and everything that he puts in place, he puts the fivefold ministry in place for the maturing of the saints and the equipping of all of us to do the work of the ministry. But there are only two things that he says will actually reach the world. And it's not figuring out how to prophesy or get miracles. It's us loving one another and then us uniting in that love toward the world. Do the research. I mean, take the time. Go through and look at what is it that actually will make an impact in the world? What is it that will actually change? What is it that's going to cause people to actually believe? I mean, I praise God for uh, apologetics and a, a, a biblical perspective of science. I love all that stuff. I mean, I geek out on that stuff. I read those kinds of papers, and, and I love it because it's interesting to look into God's creation from that perspective. But that stuff doesn't really matter to people. It's love. It's love that will, can, that will be a sign that we follow him 
I mean, have you ever wondered, what am I supposed to do? How are we going to reach the world? How's it going to change? What's the, we got these times going on. What's going on? What's going to happen? Those are all the questions going around right now. I, I think as the body walks in love, and as we make that the priority, we'll make room for the Holy Spirit to teach us how to better steward this planet and better steward the systems that are failing us now. For however long we have, I mean, some people think the rapture's on Tuesday, but, you know, <laughs> we might have a while. If we have a while, let's walk in love. Amen. She got that. <laughs> that was a Popeye wimpy. I'll gladly pay you on Tuesday for a hamburger today. Tuesday. I got a buddy that uses Tuesday. Forgive me. Were you going to say something? Can y'all hear him over there? Let me let me give you a microphone because there's probably some people watching online and everything too. This ain't about you. No, this isn't about me at all, or I wouldn't even say anything. Is it on? It's on. It is. Anyways, last week um, somebody called and said, uh, "I want to talk with you," and they're in our family, and there's a big situation and everything. But anyways, I said. Um, I said, uh, okay. I said, uh, we'll talk. And he said, uh, when you when we can get together, I said, I'll call you tomorrow, and um, I'll let you know when when we can set something up. So I thought about it and prayed about it, and I said, okay. I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to meet here, and they're in the family now. And I said, and, and you tell me what you want to talk about, and. Uh, it's without getting into the whole situation or anything. It's it's a stressful situation, and I have no idea what's going on. I prefer not to get involved in things. The the less I know, the better off I <laughs> am most of the time. I understand. And so, anyways, I go to uh, we're going to meet, and I had to go down and and pick some things up at Home Depot. And I was coming out, and I was like, Father, what am I going to do? I said, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't have no wisdom but what you give me. That's it. And I, and all this list of, of offenses on both sides and all these things that I have knowledge of, and I'm coming out, and I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do? i got to meet this person at this, you know, in 10 minutes. And all the Lord said, which made it so simple, I can't help but speak now because of this, was I was driving out and thinking, oh, I'm going to have to sit there, I'm going to have to listen, and then what's going to be demanded out of me? And the Lord just said, and it's so funny because sometimes, most of the time he talks to me, it's very short and extremely to the point. And all he said was, this is how he spoke to me. He says, Michael, I love him very very much. Mm. Now, all the rest just faded away <laughs> at that point because it's sort of so simple to me because it's like God bringing me into a room and I have all these questions about everything that goes on, everything. And the Lord just sits you down and says, I just want you to know, yeah. I love him. Yeah. When he says, I love him and named him by name, and he said, I love him very, very, very mm. much. That's awesome. 
it made it so simple, yeah. so just clear. So I went on over there, and I was thinking, got there, and I was thinking, maybe he won't show. <laughs> he was on time. I thought, well, there goes that, you know, so I'm sitting there. And I sat there, which is extremely, extremely unusual for me. And, Ooh, I just uh, spilled my coffee. Yeah, anyways, um, and, I, and I listened. And I'll bet you in the whole conversation, it went on for two hours. Mm. And I spoke maybe one to two percent of the time at the end. That was it. That's God. That's God. Trust me. That is God. Usually, I'm very opinionated, but I just sat there and I listened. And the the guy started, it reminded me of um, Stephen. And how he started and took them through the whole scenario. Mm-hmm. And I sat there and listened. And this went back years. And I went through the whole thing. Most of the time, I was just praying in the spirit. And I'm just sitting there and sitting there and everything. And when it was all said and done, and uh, I just looked at him and I said, I really have nothing to give except what God gives me. Yeah. And I said, I do have something I can honestly say before the living God, this is what he told me. He said, so-and-so, I love you very, very, very much. Hmm. And that, it, he broke down yeah. in a restaurant and just wept yeah. and wept and wept. Because yeah. when it's all said and done, that's right. That's, that's where you got to know. You must know how much the Lord loves you. And and that uh, that's all I wanted to say was really it's amazing because God sets things up and then He clarifies yeah. it with me. He says, the, "This is top priority, Mike. Yes, you have to get these things in order, and right. it's good to be diligent, and it's good to be a tither and offerer and all these things. But out without this, you could be so busy what you're right. talking about. Right. And most people are, even yeah. ministers, that there's that's not the point. Yeah. The point is when the Lord told me that that just really." That just made it simple for me. Yeah. Then all I had to do was just tell them. Amen. That was it. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, because the world is starving for love. Like Jimmy reminded us last week, Amen. they just want to know that they can be part of a family. You know, and, and what kind of family is the body of Christ offering right now? And how can we change that? doesn't mean we don't want people to repent and change their behaviors and all of that stuff. Of course we want to. Of course. But that's the Holy Spirit's job. People know already where they're missing it. They're just hungry. People are just hungry. And that's all we do is we go into people's lives and tell them about God, and let the Holy Spirit draw them in. Amen? Amen. So I think that's where we're going for the next eight years, however connected you are to that journey and however long you want to make that journey. And, you know, we will. We um, You know, Dave and Sally are chomping at the bit to schedule some uh, maybe specific outreach-type things, and we're not just talking about evangelism. We're, We're talking about the body of Christ being functioning how they should on this planet. And there's a lot, there's tons of good churches out there. I mean, you know, I think, I think you're seeing this day and age, there's, a, there's an awakening of grace, of understanding the new covenant. You're just seeing that. 
Some of those churches are going mainstream. I praise God for that. We'll always ride that vein of new covenant, finished work teaching. But, but being a loving arm on this planet, don't get bored. Don't get bored in your Christianity. Don't, don't lose the principles of rolling your cares over to him. All of the things that we know to do, continue the course. Live a daily lifestyle of waking up in devotion to him, committed to him, seeking to obey him as fiercely as you possibly can, but as a, res as a response of his love for you. That's where it starts. Fill your heart with his love for you. And everything that you're struggling with right now, it's not that it just goes away, but you gain the insight from God's perspective because you're filled with him. I'm going to preach again. Is that what y'all were laughing at? You thought I was done. We're going again. No, I'm judging them. Forgive me. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for this place. We give you all the honor and the glory of what you've done in our lives. We want to be known as your followers. We want to be known as being united in our love for one another and our love toward the world because we want people to know how good you are. And God, as we get to participate in that commission with the, your entire body on this planet, we want to look for opportunities to be bridge builders. Some of us come out of very legalistic, religious backgrounds, God, we want to let that go. We want to let go of those judgments toward those systems and see those people as people. And if we have the opportunity, God, reach back into uh, places where we've left to set them free, but not in judgment, not in anger, not in arrogance, but in love. yield to you. Move through us. Touch our community through this place so that there are healings, salvations, and people coming to the knowledge of you engaged in discipleship. Amen. Amen.